Good morning, Reach Church. All right, if kids want to head to Reach Kids, they can head out. All right. All right, Happy New Year, everyone. All right, so uh, we're, we're, this is a free week, so, you know, we can talk about anything. And uh, it's, it's, it's going to be different. All right, a little different. Um, so I know that a lot of you uh, have New Year's resolutions that you want to start reading the Bible. All right, that's a great thing. Uh, Casey and I started a plan. Uh, we are already behind on the plan. <laughs> it didn't take long. We were all like, we were ahead of the game, and then two days later, like we were we were behind. So uh, we're all pressing forward, um, and and hoping that Scripture unveils itself to us, that that God speaks through it. And so today we're kind of going off of the normal script of what of normal passages. Uh, we're going to a minor prophet. We're looking at a passage that. I think we probably wouldn't read unless we were forced to by something like a reading plan or something like that. Um, and I hope that it's a, it's a blessing to you. But in a, in a larger sense, um, as we enter into a new year and we enter into the unknowns of a new year, we enter into the, into the fact that anything could happen, good or bad, um, we're going to take a worst-case scenario look from the Old Testament. A worst case scenario, like what if, what if everything goes wrong? What if the, the worst actually happens? Uh, then what do we do? What do we do if everything crumbles before us? Um, what do we hang on to? And my hope is that not that I'm predicting that the worst is going to happen. I'm saying that no matter what happens this year, like there are things that will be stable. There are things that will be unchanged. And God is working and God is sovereign. And that we enter into that, into our new year, uh, firmly founding ourselves on that truth. And so we're actually going to look at Habakkuk today. Habakkuk, the minor prophet, everyone's favorite Habakkuk. Um, <laughs> all right, this is the complaining prophet. All right. Uh, now, he already watched uh, the northern tribes of Israel uh, get wiped out, and all that's left is Judah. And he's looking at Judah, and he's complaining to the Lord about Judah. And so we see these cycles that he complains, and God responds. He complains, and God responds. And then finally we see his, his concluding prayer. After he's seen the plan of God, after he knows what God is going to do, he knows what is stable and what is founded upon, um, and he prays a prayer of faith. So uh, I hope that this might help you in the new year. Like, what... What is the realm of possibility of what God could do and what things are, are stable and, and foundational in the midst of that, ultimately getting us to Jesus? So let's pray. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you speak through your whole word. We thank you that you can give us a broader scope, big vision, um, foundational things to rely upon. And Father, I ask that you would give us great joy in living by faith, in living in the light of what uh, our Savior Jesus Christ has done and what he will do. Father, we ask that our faith would not be in this world, that our faith would not be in the things that we see, but in uh, the things that you're doing that we cannot see, the things that are, are beyond uh, our understanding. And Father, would we be able to, to enter into this prayer of faith that Habakkuk ends his book with. 
Father, would you uh, shape our hearts by your Holy Spirit? Would you give us a vision of Jesus? And would we glorify your name, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So, we have our first, our first round of complaints and God's response. All right. So, Habakkuk starts uh, chapter 1, verse 2. Do you want to, if you don't, let's, let's turn to Habakkuk, actually. This is a test. Yes. Um, Habakkuk. All right. Habakkuk is on... 785. Yeah, 785. All right. So I'm going to jump around. Uh, I'll give you the references, but don't feel compelled to find them. It's okay. Um, I'm not going to read the whole thing. Casey was like, so you're just going to read the whole? No, I'm not. All right. So first, first complaint. 785. Habakkuk's complaint. Oh, Lord, how long shall I cry for help and you will not hear or cry to you violence and you will not save? Why do you make me see iniquity? And why do you idly look at wrong? Destruction and violence are before me. Strife and contention arise. So the law is paralyzed. And justice never goes forth. For the wicked surround the righteous. So justice goes forth perverted. All right. This is Habakkuk. This is a prophet looking at the state of his people, the state of Israel. Can we turn on the air? Sorry, it's hot in here. Sorry, guys. <laughs> All right, uh, it's, it's the fiery judgment of Habakkuk. Um, <laughs> All right. Uh, All right. So he's, he's looking at the state of Judah. He's, state, he's looking at the the state of the world around him, and he's crying out to God now and complaining. All right, God, where are you? What are you doing? Are you in control? Why does it seem like you're not acting? Why does it seem like you're not doing anything? And I've been crying out to you, and I've been saying, like, where is justice? Where is, where is your work? And it seems like you're not doing anything about it. All right. This is the, the reality of where we can stand before God. And I think some of you, some of you, the more pessimistic among us, uh, are already there. You're looking at, at the world around you, and you're saying, okay, where, God, where are you? What are you doing? Now, maybe you're looking at the church, and you're saying, okay, like, why, why is the church in such a state? In our nation or in the world, uh, where there's bad teachings or false prophets or dwindling numbers, and like, God, where are you doing? What, what, where are you? All right, maybe you're looking at the state of our nation, and you're saying, well, What's, what's going on? Why does, why does evil seem to be winning if it is? Maybe you're looking at the world in general and you're saying like, there's, there's suffering and there's brokenness. Maybe you're looking at your life and you're saying, why does, why does evil seem to prevail? Why is there suffering? Why is there sorrow? Why is there brokenness? God, why don't you do anything about it? All right. I think we can all see these things. And we can, we can kind of come to God in this, in this light and, and approach him this way and complain to him. And now what do we expect to hear from God here? That's why I like, I like weird passages because some of you don't know. You don't know what he's going to say. Uh, and I think most of us think, well, like, you, he better say, he better say, stop your complaining. Stop complaining. Um, it's not that bad. And you need to trust me. Actually, he, he takes it, he's a couple steps further. Look at, look at what he says. He says, 
Uh, verse 5. Look among the nations and see, wonder and be astounded, for I am doing a work in your days that you would not believe if told. For behold, I am raising up the Chaldeans, that bitter and hasty nation who march through the breadth of the earth to seize dwellings not their own. They are dreaded and fearsome, and their justice and dignity go forth from themselves. All right, what is he saying? Yeah, some of you are like, oh, no, I don't know what, I don't know what he's saying. Uh, what is he saying? He's saying, you know what? Yeah, I'm going to do something about it. Actually, I've heard your complaint. I've heard your complaint. I've, I see the same things that you guys see. I, see. I see what you see, Habakkuk. I'm not blind. I'm, I'm not deaf. And actually, I have a sovereign plan. And his sovereign plan is, yeah, Judah needs to be judged. Judah needs to be judged for the violence and the injustice and the oppression. And he's raising up the Babylonians, the Chaldeans, to do that judgment. Now, who are, who are the Babylonians? This is, this is not a, a tribe that secretly worships God. No, this is a, an enemy nation that worships their idols. He doesn't have anything flattering to say about them. No, their justice and dignity go forth from themselves. Like, they are, they are in their own gods. And he's saying, you know what? I'm going to raise them up. My plan is to make them powerful, and they will execute judgment against Judah. That that is, that is the plan that God is working. Now, what do we do with that? What do we do with that? All right. We have a God who, who is in control and who has a plan and who sovereignly works. And what we can't do is assume that we know the way he's going to execute that plan. Look what he said. I'm, I'm, I'm doing a work in your days you would not believe if told. All right. So as we stand before the new year, all right, God can do anything. God can do anything, and it'd be foolish of us to assume that he doesn't have a plan, that he's not in control. If he can even control this enemy nation, the evil ones who, who have no heart towards God and use it towards his ultimate plan, they can be instruments in the hand of our God. Like, he has a plan. He knows what he's doing. Now, That isn't actually that comforting for Habakkuk. <laughs> that he's looking and saying, okay, uh, I see the plan, but I, he has some complaints about it. So second complaint. Second complaint, verse 12. Are you not from everlasting? Oh, God, oh Lord, my God, my Holy One, we shall not die. Oh, Lord, you have ordained them as a judgment, and you, O oh Rock, have established them for reproof. You who are pure, purer eyes than can see evil and cannot look at wrong, why do you idly look at traitors and remain silent when the wicked swallow up the man more righteous than he? All right, what's he saying? He's saying you're not allowed to do that. But yeah, this is, this is, I see that's, that's the plan. That's not allowed to be the plan, God. Because like, you're not allowed to use the enemy nations. You're not allowed to use the idolatrous and the evil. And what does he say? He, he assumes, okay, but... But we're the righteous ones. We're the, we're the righteous Judah. 
We're the apple of God's eye. We're, we're the one that God, that you love. How could you possibly use this enemy nation to bring justice against us? Now, this is where we see the, the, the true colors of Habakkuk. And when you be shaped by this truth, okay, yes, he sees, he sees evil and injustice, but what is it? It's out there. It's out there, and it's in a couple few people who need to be taken care of. When in reality, all right, God sees far more, and he has a far greater plan. All right, he is, de he is defeating evil and injustice and suffering on a cosmic level. And when we say, I, I, want, I want the church to be redeemed and to be for justice and righteousness to reign, all right, God doesn't just look, okay, I'll, I'll look out there. No, he looks, he looks at us and says, okay, I, I'm going to make that happen in, in our lives. When we say there's evil in, in my life and in, in the people around me, he says, yeah, there's also evil in your heart. And right there with you. And we say, like, God fixed this nation. We are part of this nation. And he can work against this nation even. All right, why do I say that? Uh, I say that because uh, there is no sacred cow in your life. All right, there's no sacred cow. What does that mean? Uh, the sacred cow is the, the holy, blessed thing that never gets sacrificed because it's worshipped and because it's, it's too holy, it's too wonderful in the sight of the Lord to be, to be sacrificed. All right, there is no sacred cow in your life. You are not a sacred cow. Your life is not a sacred cow. Your joy is not a sacred cow. Which means, okay, uh, the church, our church. All right, God can do a radical thing here. And he could bring sorrow upon us towards an ultimate end that is greater. All right, your life, your life. He could kill the sacred cow of, of your happy life and of a life of prosperity and blessing. He could make it crumble down. And he legitimately say, you know what, like, there was evil there. There was, there was injustice and unrighteousness there. All right, America. America is not a sacred cow. If Judah is not a sacred cow, then America is not a sacred cow. All right, Judah is the apple of God's eye. Judah is the only thing left. It's Jerusalem. It has the holy temple. And what is God saying? God's saying, oh, yeah, I'm going to send an enemy nation. They're going to come in, flatten the whole thing, destroy my temple where my glory is, take all the gold out, pillage the holy of holies, and take all of my people and send them into exile to be brainwashed by the Babylonians. All right, if Judah's not a sacred cow, America's not a sacred cow. Now, why do I say that? I say that because I think we have a certain understanding of what it would look like for God to lose and for God to win. And if we looked into 2020 and certain things happened, we'd say, well, God lost, or we lost, or the church lost, or, or my, my life was, God didn't show up. All right, in a passage like this, like there, there, are, there are no guarantees. 
And God could do amazing, astounding things, things that devastate our hearts. And yet they are God's will. They are God working there for his glory. They are salvation. All right. But Habakkuk, he's, he's upset about this. So much so, he like, he's, <laughs> there's, this great, there's this great line. I'll read it. I'll read it. I will take my stand at my watch post and station myself on the tower and look out to see what he will say to me and what I will answer concerning my complaint. <laughs> he's, like, he's like sitting there like, God, I'm waiting for your response. <laughs> like, this is unacceptable, and I want to hear about it. Like, like, tell me, tell me. And God responds. Amazingly, God responds. And what does he say? He says first, uh, he says first, you know, this is, this is going to happen. This is the plan, and this was the plan. That is what Babylon did. Babylon came in, and they did, they did wipe out Jerusalem. They did send them into exile. And God says, you know, it, it's already set. But what does he say? He says one of the, the great lines of the word. He says, the righteous shall live by faith. The righteous shall live by faith. And that becomes like a core theme. We, we saw it in Romans. We saw it in Galatians. The righteous shall live by faith. Now, what do the righteous not live by? We don't live by prosperity. We don't live by blessing. We don't live by what our eyes can see. We don't live by, well, God must be working because uh, I see good. No, we, we live by faith. And we live by the fact that if God is who he says he is, and if God is sovereign and he is in control, and he has a plan in mind, like that plan will be for my good. That plan will be for ultimate victory. That plan will be righteous. And we live by faith. Now that's where this, this next year, I don't know what's going to happen. Maybe it'll be awesome. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it'll be, uh, this will be a thing like, wow, Peter was a downer at the beginning of 2020. Uh, I don't know. But we will live by faith. And no matter what happens, like, we are called not to live by weighing the balances if God got it right or wrong. We live by faith that God is doing something amazing, something we, we cannot understand. And just to, to give us a little bit of comfort in how could God use this enemy nation? How could he do this? Uh, God, God answers that complaint. And he, he starts in uh, chapter 2, verse 19. He says, to, to Babylon. He speaks to Babylon. He says, Woe to him who says to a wooden thing, Awake, to a silent stone arise, can this teach? Behold, it is overlaid with gold and silver, and there is no breath in it at all. But the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silence before him. All right, these idolaters, the, the worshipers of other gods, like, God is in his temple. And even though that earthly temple was destroyed, God is in his temple. God is ruling. God is holy. God is still powerful. And he will bring justice against even the ones he uses tools to bring about judgment. He goes on, he says, to these, these Chaldeans, these Babylonians, 
Verse 16, you will, be, you will have your fill of shame instead of glory. Drink yourselves and show your uncircumcision. The cup is in the Lord's right hand will come around to you, and utter shame will come upon your glory. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. The earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as waters cover the sea. All right, these are the promises of God. That yes, however temporary victories may be won by evil or by darkness or by Satan, like that's what's going to happen. Now, do we like do we rest in that? Is the is the glory covering the sea like the, the overwhelming glory of God? Is that a great comfort to you, no matter what happens? That that He's going to do those things that his beauty is going to shine forth, that he is going to show himself victorious. Even if he lets small battles be lost, apparently, in the fight. Now, what, what, am, I, what am I really saying? All right. No Christian defeatism. There is no Christian defeatism. Now, we don't know. We don't, if, if Judah being destroyed isn't God being defeated, then we have no idea what God's victory looks like. And so we are not going to stand this new year and say, say well, maybe God will win. No, whatever he does, he's winning. Like if, if the whole American church is declared illegal, and we all go underground, and we're all persecuted and, and killed, we would trust that God is working, he's faithful. If, if the economy implodes, if anything, like the worst things you can happen, God is in control. That he's powerful and he's sovereign. And if this, the destruction of Judah, can be the blessing of God, can be the, the work of his hand, then anything can be. Now, I say that, uh, we could say that that's, that's too hard a message. And honestly, this would be a devastating message if it weren't for Jesus. If it weren't for Jesus Christ, then honestly, I don't know where we would stand because maybe we're Judah. Maybe we're going to be destroyed. Maybe we're the Babylonians. Maybe we're the idolaters. But no, we know that Jesus already came. We know that Jesus came and, and judgment was poured upon him. And what looked like the destruction of God and the, the weakness and the failure of God was his ultimate victory. That the death of Jesus Christ was, was life for all of us. That we know that because Jesus Christ died and was destroyed by evil and Satan, we can say, oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? That Jesus rose from the dead, that Jesus said that he would bring eternal life. That we, we who stand under the judgment of God, we don't ultimately stand under the judgment of God. That even if judgment comes upon our people and our lives and our church and our nation and our world, like we will stand because the judgment was in Jesus. Now, I cannot guarantee there won't be collateral damage, but the victory is in Jesus. The victory is in Jesus. God has already worked. God already has that plan in mind. 
we know where the ultimate destination is. And that's where I, can, I can't say anything about the future except that Jesus Christ has already won and that Jesus Christ will win again. And that the victory is in him. That he cannot be defeated. And that God is working all things towards his ultimate glory till his coming back, till he rides in victory. Now, the righteous shall live by faith. And Habakkuk, after hearing all this, after hearing the whole plan, uh, he doesn't offer a complaint. What does he offer? He offers a prayer of faith. And it's a, it's a prophetic prayer. We see it in, in uh, I'll just have a small snippet of it. It's a, it's a lot longer. You can read it uh, another time, but Habakkuk 3.11, he prophesies about when God will give the final victory he says, The sun and moon stood still in their place at the light of your arrows as they sped. At the flash of your glittering spear, you marched through the earth in fury. You threshed the nations in anger. You went out for the salvation of your people, people for the salvation of your anointed. You crushed the head of the house of the wicked. All right, notice it's in present tense. This is how... It is so sure in Habakkuk's mind that it's already happening. But what is he speaking of? He's speaking of the day of the Lord, the ultimate victory. And yes, even in his day, if the world is, is burning and if Jerusalem is crushed and it seems like all hope is lost, no, he, he looks to the day of the Lord and he's pronouncing it upon, upon his nation and upon the world that there will, there will come a day when evil, is, his head is crushed. When one will come who is, who is victorious and who will win. Now, Revelation, Revelation. I love, I love reading the Old Testament because you get to see these pictures and then you get to see like the fuller picture of what it's going to look like. In Revelation 7 through 19, it's the picture of Babylon being crushed. And Babylon crushed this time isn't just the Babylon that's, that's destroyed by Persia. That happens too. That happens in history. But there's this better picture of, of all of Babylon being destroyed. And Babylon becomes this symbol of, of all evil, of every nation that stands against God, of every injustice, of every sin. And Babylon is destroyed by Jesus Christ, the coming, the coming king. Revelation 19, 11. I saw heaven standing open, and there before me was a white horse, whose rider is called Faithful and True. With justice he judges and wages war. His eyes are like blazing fire. On his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but he himself. He is dressed in a robe, dripped in blood, and his name is the word of God. The armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. Coming out of his mouth is a sharp sword of which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress to the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. All right. This is the one thing that we know for certain. This is the one guarantee in the future that Jesus Christ will come. That Jesus Christ will come. And he will get the victory. And that the plan is moving towards this where we will get to ride, ride in with Jesus 
Well, we, we will be the ones clothed in white linen, washed clean by the blood of Christ. That justice will come, and it won't come against us because we are clean by the, by the blood of Jesus Christ. There's no judgment left for the people of God who have put their faith in Jesus. That is the guarantee. That is the prophecy. That is the thing that we pray. That is the thing that we hope for. Now Habakkuk says this one last thing, and this will be the this will be the end. Habakkuk says, verse 17, though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the field the yield no food, the flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord, I will take joy in the God of my salvation. He's saying, in, in the day, if your 401ks dry up, if the economy collapses, if your happiness dries up, if all the things in this world come collapsing down, if you are the collateral damage in the, in the judgment of the world, in the plan of God, what does he say? He says, yet I will rejoice in the Lord, I will take joy in the God of my salvation. All right. There is no despair. There is no defeatism. This is this is the righteous living by faith. That Jesus Christ will return, that Jesus Christ has made promises that he will keep. That he is he is winning the war even if every battle doesn't seem to be won. And so in the midst of this time like Let's rejoice. Let's take heart in the things that are guaranteed. Let's not put stock in the things that, are, that can collapse. Let's, let's root ourselves in that Jesus Christ is coming, and he's returning, that he loves us, that he died for us, that there's no judgment for us, and the kingdom of heaven will reign forever. And we rule it aside. Amen? Amen. All right. Any questions? Okay. With, with everything that's happening over in the Middle East right. and all that stuff. You know, is Middle East going to take over? Right. Is nuclear yeah. war going to happen? Yeah, who knows? Yeah. Where we can feel confident, we know, just like you said, it's going to be like America is not safer. Right. But, you know, that's not necessarily happening. But we have faith to know God won the battle. Right. And we're on his spiritual side. Yeah. But, yeah. Know, but we know the right. Right. And that's where like even if the worst happens, yeah, God didn't lose. And I think I think we have to have a, a really open mind about what God is gonna do with his plan. Um and really trust him. Yeah. Totally, Lisa. Yeah. Other questions? Should we be thankful when horrible things happen? Um,
in a sense, in a sense. Now, we, we rejoice in the Lord always. Again, we say rejoice. All right, but we recognize we are, we weep that there is judgment and that there needs to be judgment and that the plans need to look the way that they do. That Judah went away weeping, that Jeremiah had to prophesy these things and he was the weeping prophet. And Jesus did things that were according to the plan, and yet he, he weeped when he saw them. All right, so that's where there's not this kind of stoicism or like a, well, this is, this is miserable, but, um, but God's in control, and so therefore I'm going to smile. But there is this like deep-rooted, I know where my joy stands, and those things are stable, and those things remain. And so do I go low? Yes. Do I go to the depths? No because of these, these joyful truths. Does that answer your question, Angelo? Sort of. Yeah, I know, sort of. Yeah, <laughs> Fair. yeah Jan. Right, and that's where there's a, there's a hope and a joy in our hope, but I don't think there's a realized hope, like a realized joy yet. <laughs> yes, he was able to look back and say. In prison, he wasn't saying that. He was a little more miserable. Um, but like, if we can project our hope and our faith there, then we can taste some of that, we can get some of that joy, and it can... It can help us through the present and we know that ultimately like we are going to see the whole plan and we're going to see the joyful working of God and and in that day rejoice and be more thankful that we were in prison and and enslaved than if we had never been yeah right right Jesus suffered with us and, and for us and he wasn't stoic at all Any other questions? Oh, <laughs> Casey was pointing over here. <laughs> Let's pray. <laughs> Father, we thank you that, that Jesus reigns now and he will reign to come. We thank you that you are in control and you're sovereign over all things. We thank you that the things in this life are not our ultimate hope. Because, Father, we know that they are incredibly fragile and we know that they are coming to an end at the end of this life. And so, Father, I ask that our hope would be in Jesus. Our hope would be in his second coming. Our hope would be in, in the grace that has been poured out on us that we do not stand under judgment. 
Father, we're not so presumptuous to think that there's, uh, there's, there's no sin in us, that you would not have cause to, to judge us as well. And so we thank you for Jesus. We thank you that we stand in his grace and we're redeemed by his blood, that it's not ourselves, but it's the work of Jesus that saves. So Father, would we be people who really do live by faith? Would we be the righteous who live by faith? Faith in what Jesus Christ is doing and has done. We pray in his name.